Welcome to Women in the Arena podcast, the podcast celebrating women doing extraordinary things in plain sight. I'm your host, Audra Egan, and our mission is to elevate the value, strength, and resilience each woman brings to the world. Without further delay, let's go ahead and start the show. Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for joining me again this week. I have such an amazing lady with me today, and I think you'll really enjoy her. Her name is Sarah Aleo, and she is a social media, let's see if I get this right, social media marketing strategist and brand manager. You got it right. And I stumble over that because all of that confuses me. (laughs) All of that. Clearly, if you see my social media posts, you'll see that it confuses me. Nonetheless... She works with very high-profile companies and brand ambassadors just to elevate their visibility and to give them some direction. And it, she definitely gets a run for her money most of the time, and she earns every bit of it. It is my pleasure and my honor to introduce to you Sarah Alea. Sarah, thank you so much for being here, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. Your podcast is great, so it's fun to be a part of it. Uh, Thank you. I am really excited that you're here. You and I have a lot in common. I love your energy. And we're going to talk about one of my favorite (laughs) F-words. And I know that that's going to send everybody back on their heels because it's probably not a popular one, but is one that I've embraced and it's changed my life. And I know that you've embraced it and it's changed your life over and over and over again. Absolutely. So are we ready to drop this F-bomb on them? I'm so ready. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about failure. Yes. I said it. I said it. Failure. And everybody's going like, why in the world is that one of her favorite (laughs) F-words? I think that Sarah does it more justice than I can. So (laughs) Sarah, let's talk about failure and and why we should embrace it more. But let's talk about your personal journey with this F-bomb failure. I love that. And it's such an F-bomb, right? We think, oh, no, I failed. I'm a failure. This is a failure that never feels or sounds like a good thing. And in my situation, I ran from it. I did every and anything to not fail, to make it look like I wasn't failing, to hold on to an identity that was as far away from failure as possible. And what happened was I was so obsessed with what I didn't want to be that it was what was happening. And I didn't embrace failure because we who's going to embrace it? Right. We, we yeah, do. Who's going to say, sign me up, sign yeah. me up. I want to fail. <laughs> no one says that. Every, everything is like, hey, no, you need to do this you know, right and well and and look a certain way and feel a certain way and talk a certain way. We all have these high expectations, which we were even talking about before we started recording, these high expectations we have for others and for ourselves. And we're so hard on ourselves, right? And so failure is something that we run from. What I realized was that when I started to embrace failure, when I started to look at it as a very huge opportunity for a pivot in my life, for a growing opportunity, for lessons to truly be learned, not just experienced, 
I think oftentimes we experience lessons, but we don't learn from them. So they repeat. In my situation, I embraced the failure to where I got to look at it and say, wow, okay, I'm feeling this. This is real. This has happened. It's not me. It's not who I am. So I was so afraid of, it was really my ego, right? I didn't want to hurt my ego. I didn't want people to know that I wasn't this cool, great, amazing person with this big agency in LA. Wow, how is she doing it? Honestly, I don't know because I wasn't really doing it. I was just (laughs) surviving. And I embraced the failure and I realized it wasn't my identity. It was a huge opportunity for me to make a big shift in my life, which I did. And now when I think of failure, I have a smile on my face even just right now because I think, wow, had I not experienced that, I would not be where I am now. And I want to give you the analogy of when you go to a gym and you're working with with a trainer and he's giving you like a set. Sometimes he's like, I want you to do this till failure. Like do oh, this yes. workout until you fail, right? Like what does that mean? It means you've pushed your body to its fullest capacity, right? To achieve something. So I pushed myself, my mindset, my brain, my body, my finances, my, my spiritual health. I pushed everything to the full capacity in order for me to give up on what I thought I really wanted to sit back and breathe and rediscover what it is that I want to do in the future and really take a hold of my life. So now I look at failure as, wow, what a cool opportunity to do this and to get through it. So I'm going to stop you there because everybody's like, well, what, what, what did she fail at? I don't, so <laughs> tell us what, what did you do? You, you are, you are a business owner and this is your previous business that got the opportunity to morph into a new business. But yeah, tell us what, what the, what, what that turning point was. What was that business that yeah. quote unquote failed? So <clears throat> I had a, a social media agency We had about a staff of anywhere between 11 and 13, depending on freelancers coming on, things like that. You know, the dream team, this, this, this good looking team, you know, LA and New York based. We had all these crazy celebrity clients. I mean, we're, we're living the dream on the outside, right? On the inside, you've got two business owners that do not agree on most things, not even just in personal life, but in business, in finances. So you have two different directions that the business is supposed to go in with a 50-50 partnership. So you can't move either way until the other person says, okay, sure, let's do it. Then you've got high payroll. You're in two city or two states with high taxes. Um, We've got a pandemic that hits us that both brings a blessing and a curse. Because before we were a small agency 2017 to 2019, working with really cool musicians, doing their social media, having a ball, making great money. Boom, pandemic hits. Everybody's like, we need to go digital. So what do they do? They hire social media agencies. So as the company booms, I'm like, I need more staff. So I start hiring anybody, friends, family, like anyone that I could get my hands on that was getting fired, that could get into a job and work, giving people what I thought was a great opportunity which I think was, but it's all perspective. And this business is growing and booming, again, with two business owners that don't agree on most things and no real business plan, action or anything. So I stepped into being a payroll manager, an HR manager, customer relations, customer retention, and I'm closing all the deals. So all of a sudden, I feel like I have the weight of the world on me. And every two weeks when payroll comes, I'm sick to my stomach. And I was surviving off of having a second business 
to pay my mortgage and my overhead. So I'm putting 90% of my effort into a business that wasn't paying me for probably about the last six months of the business existing. Yikes. And that, that gives me a knot in my stomach oh, yeah. just hearing about it. Oh, the stress level, I can't even, I don't remember. It, it was like I blocked it out because I don't even want to go back to that place, right? It was so, the stress level was so high. I was racking up debt because I needed money to pay people. And, you know, PPP stuff and all that helped. But when you're growing and you don't have a plan and you don't know really where your money is going, you're not running a business. You're running a very expensive hobby. And I had a hobby with 13 people's lives relying on me, which is the way I looked at it. They're, they needed income and my job provided them income. I definitely put a lot of people before myself, which I think is like a beautiful thing when you think about it. Put others before yourself. Yeah, that's great until you're limping and you can't walk and you can't help everyone. That's why on the airplane they say, put your own mask on first before you help anyone else because you can't help people if you're not helped. And I had business coaches. I had people and advisors in my life that I just, I had so much pride and I had such a lack of humility that I didn't take all the advice I was given because I didn't even want them to know. My closest people, people I was paying to tell me what I was doing, right or wrong, I didn't even want to tell them how bad it was. I just wanted to pretend like it was going to change. And I would read all these self-help books and these like motivational speeches about businesses failing in the first five years and everyone will, you know, get it together and just keep pushing. And a lot of advice that, in my opinion, had me holding on to a business I probably should have closed two years before then. So I went on a trip. It was actually a trip, a missionary trip in Mexico. And I couldn't even focus because I knew that $14,000 was going to have to be paid on Friday and I didn't have the money for it. And so I don't even remember how I got the money for it. I think it was like the last of the money that I had that was like just going to cover this. And then I have to figure it out on Monday. And I got home from the mission trip and I cried for three days. Literally, it took everything to not just lay on the floor. And I got up and I looked in the mirror and I said, what if you just stopped funding the company? What if you just walked away from everything? And I had such peace and joy in that moment. I knew exactly that's what I was supposed to do. Let me, let me stop you for a second yes. because you get to a point where you're like, what if I just stopped? First of all, that sounds really terrifying. Oh, it was. Because you are a high performing, high achieving individual. Mm-hmm. Type A personalities just don't stop. Mm-mm. They just don't. They have to be stopped Yeah. by some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Because, as I've said it before, that type A personalities don't achieve and thrive because they think they're the best. They achieve and thrive because they never think it's enough. Mm-hmm. That's a type A personality. Ooh. And that is why they achieve so much is because they powerful. never think it's enough. It's powerful. So good and bad in that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So you get to this point where like, what if I just stopped? Yeah. So my, my gut reaction, as you said, that was, oh my God, like my chest just tightened up as soon as you said that. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking in the mirror, cried for three days. Yeah. And so after you said that and maybe had that moment of, oh, and you said you had peace. Yeah. What, what? What does what does that mean? What did that feel like? It was like everything on my shoulders lifted up. Because for three days when I was crying, it was trying to figure out how the heck I was going to turn this business around and how far deep we were and how many people relied on me, my identity, everything. 
all of a sudden I stood there and I just didn't care. Like all the cares of the world that were on me in that moment were lifted away. And joy came in when I said, let me just walk away. Like I literally started laughing. And I thought, I'm absolutely crazy. And but crazy is like my favorite place to be. I'm like, telling all, you. All the through is crazy. I know all of those things that when you step outside that little crazy little box that you put yourself in that, you know, I'm just going to sit right here. Once you step outside that and you're like, oh my God, this is crazy. That's like my best. That's my favorite yep. part. I love it. I love it. Risks come with reward. Even if you <laughs> fail. Yes. I, I was going to take a big risk. I didn't, I, all I knew was I was literally closing down my, my baby, right? This agency was my baby. I was going to say goodbye to an identity that I had created. And all of a sudden I felt like relieved, just relieved. Wow. I texted my business partner and my project manager and I said, can you guys run the business without me? And the project manager said, for how long? And I said, like, if I just stepped out and they both were like, no way, we're not doing this without you. Cool. That was my, my way of giving it to you guys. Yep. I immediately started making phone calls to other agencies. Hey, if I close down shop, would you take my clients? I trust you. I want them to have good homes. Will you take my clients? Like, absolutely. Like, let me know what, what we need to do. So I was driving to a meeting actually that day. And in the meeting, I'm thinking they're, it's one of my clients. They're going to tell us, hey, we're not going to be working with you anymore. Because I was losing a lot of clients at this time. I was so stressed. I couldn't really do what I wanted to do for them. And the staff was hard too. So long story short, you know, they say, hey, we want, you, we want to work with you. We want, we want you to manage our son. We know you left the music industry. We want you to do this. And I started getting phone calls from people out of nowhere. Like it was like it was reigniting the fire in me to get back to what it is that I love. I didn't sign up to do HR and payroll and bookkeeping and medical. And I didn't sign up for that, right? I I ended up falling into that and building a business to that because I had no plan or agenda. I just went for it 100 miles an hour. And I always kind of thought, well, when you work with celebrities, you're a little bit in the light. So it's like I have to look a certain way and live a certain way. It's like all that went out the window when I, when peace set in and I realized, wait a minute, I could, I could make over six figures and be happy with a small team and build a new identity and, and not care what anyone else says about me. Like sign me up. <laughs> so this is, this is why we say that failure is a beautiful thing because yeah. What you had said to me when you and I first met was, my business failed, I didn't. Yeah, that's the name of my book I'm writing right now. Which is perfect. Mm -hmm. It's perfect because there's that, there is that clear division. Yeah. And the wonderful thing is, is that you went for it. You went 100% for it and you went to its limit. Yeah. And it stopped working. Yeah. But then you had all these lessons that you learned. Yeah that you could take into something new. Mm -hmm. So I, I know what it's like to be in that creative space, like that constant creative space. And it's addicting. Yeah. But as you got to step into something new, how did, how did that feel? Like having, having the, the back, you know, having the quote unquote failure yeah. behind you, and you're looking forward with no idea, no plan, no nothing, mm -hmm. um, new identity. Yep. 
What did it feel like standing there? You know, what's so funny is, you know, the first two months it was, I was sitting on two things. One, the day that this all happened where peace set in and I'm driving to this meeting, it was literally just dropped in my spirit. My business failed. I didn't. And I thought that's the title of my book. And then the next thing that popped in was the name of my business, Identity Amplified. And those two titles and names were just resonating in my head. And and that's all I could think about as I was closing out debts and negotiating things and W, you know, um, unemployment paperwork and all that stuff. And then middle of December hits. So this was November of last year. So in the middle of December hits and I start to step into this new business. And it was like it flowed effortlessly. You know, I didn't have to sell myself. To this day, I have not launched my website. It's still a coming soon page. Yet I am at capacity of clients. And I've started to rebuild a team, but I have three virtual overseas employees that I love and that are so reliable and great. And actually, two of them worked with me in my old agency. And I have this really small remote team and people on social media don't even know what I'm doing. And I actually get so much joy even just on these podcasts talking about failure more than I do talk about social media. You know, I'm still a strategist for many people and I work with some incredible celebrities. I travel most weekends of the month to different places all over the country to meet with some of my clients and artists and performances, all these really fun, cool stuff. But it just became this place of my identity was that it was how I make people feel. It was how I impact their lives. It was how I serve them. It was no longer about my title, CEO of this. You know, it was no longer what my business card said or how many clients were listed on my website. That's where my identity got lost. And all of the things that I wanted people to see about myself that were some big achievements and all those things, which we know stems all the way back to childhood issues, right? That's who, who we become as adults. But this learning lesson allowed me to shift and sit back and say, I could be in my little room in my house right now with my two computers and my five dogs and make a great living serving people without the whole world needing to know what I'm doing and when I'm doing it, you know, and it doesn't have to be this big fancy title or job. It's literally my gift serving people well and continuous referrals of business. All of my clients now are hundred percent referral. Not marketing. I mean, isn't that, it's not the dream though. You, it's the dream. you, you get to make a living by doing your natural talents yeah. and making people happy. And you, you said something that is just like really sitting here in my brain because I keep thinking that the majority of our audience are women ages 35 to 55. Yeah. Most of them uh, have have some sort of profession in some way, shape, or form. Some mm-hmm. of them work for organizations. Some of them own their own businesses. But I hear a lot about, I am my job. Yeah. I am my job. I've said in the past, before I became a recovering type A personality, <laughs> um, I have said many times, I am my job. Yeah. But after a while, that becomes really unfulfilling. Yeah. What do you say to other individuals, not just women? There are a lot of men that feel that way too. They just don't express it the same way. Right. What what do you say to those, those individuals out there that are, that are like, 
I've identified with my job for so long. I don't know how to break away from that identity, but I think I have to. Yeah. We know our identity is who we were always meant and built to be, right? You have that identity and and society and everything else tells us what we should look like and talk like and, and what achievements we should have. But really, you know what your your identity is. I am not my job. My gifts happen to be my job. It's the gift that I have created into a company and a business. And my identity is not in that or in its performance. My identity truly is that I see someone, I, I'm a solution provider, right? I see the problem Oftentimes they're coming to me for social media. I'll see lots of other problems in their business. I will refer them to people who I know can solve those issues and tell them to come back to me and I'll serve them with my gift. If you're in a job where you don't feel like your gifts and we all know what our gifts are and even if you don't know, you know, just might take a little bit of digging. We all have this set of skills and gifts, whether it's how you communicate, whether it's how you talk to people. Um, Maybe it's a skill set. You're a great painter. You're really good at identifying good furniture and fixing it up and reselling it. We all have these interesting gifts to serve others. When you identify that gift and you feel like the job that you're serving in or the company that you're running isn't utilizing those gifts, you're never going to feel like you're fulfilling purpose. And purpose is so much more rewarding than money. Now, yes, in today's day and age when you need two household incomes and we've got a little inflation going on, you know, it's like, oh, I can't just go off my purpose because I don't know how to make my purpose make money. Okay, then let's make a plan. Stick where you're at and set a goal. In six months, I'm going to do this. I'm going to stop eating out. I'm going to save all my money. I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to save this money. And then I'm going to launch my business. I can't tell you how many business owners I meet that do the most random things. And they're happy doing it because it gives them time to do other things, right? I'm, I'm talking about people who are buying things off of um, wholesale websites, reselling it on Amazon, making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. And all they're doing is like managing orders. And they spend the rest of their time writing a book or taking care of their children or gardening or like the most fascinating, fun stuff. And they're like, hey, like I just wanted to provide an income so that I can do my purpose, which is maybe take care of my children. I'm a homemaker or I'm, I'm an author. Writing a book, you don't get paid to write a book till it's out, you know, and even then you might not make any money. So there's always a way. Now I'm not saying quit your job because everyone needs really good employees. And I think that we all want to be entrepreneurs. And the reality is that we're not all set to be it, but you can find a career and a job and a path that you're utilizing your gifts. If you're in a job right now and you're thinking, I'm not utilizing my gifts, but they could be, take a bold step. Hey, manager, staff, you know, can I can I have two of the hours that I'm working out of my eight hour shift to dedicate to this part of the business because I really have a passion for it and I'd love to serve the, the business in this way and maybe that can grow into a position and I just want to prove myself to you guys. Like if somebody came to me and told me that, heck yeah, let's evolve the company together based off your purpose, your passions, your gifts. So sometimes you just have to be a little bold in asking for things because we don't ask, we don't get. You know, that I have found you, you saying that I have found over the last, especially over the last two years, starting this, this crazy idea of mine called the podcast. Um, (laughs) I have asked for things that I never would have been emboldened to do before. Yeah. And 90% of the 95, yeah, about 95% of the time they've said yes. Yes. Maybe in different ways. Like maybe that it wasn't an exact yes to 
what I had requested. Right. But it was still a yes. Yeah. Not because I asked. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <clears throat> but because I asked. Yeah. And I, I have actually asked the question back, why did you say yes? Or why did you respond? And they said, because you asked. <laughs> really? <laughs> I love it. I, it isn't that the strangest thing that it's the power of asking? And it's I think the power in our ask, absolutely. And I think it goes back to people don't ask because they're afraid of that big giant F word, yeah. failure. Yeah. Or no. Or no. Right. I mean, have you ever died from no? I have never died from I've no. I've never died from no. That's so good. <laughs> so, I mean, I hear no all the time yeah. and I'm not afraid of it. I mean, for those that have had children, you hear no all the time when they're two years old. That's their favorite word. No. <laughs> and it's a, there's power in that. Yeah. Keep, keep asking until you get a yes. Yes. Cause you will yes. get one. You will. That that's, that's literally part of the journey of life. Knocking on doors until they open, asking questions until they're answered. It happens, right? We, we're literally ch- children doing that. But why? But why? But why? But why? How, why do kids ask why about everything? They want to know until you give them the answer. Then you probably will get asked another question. But the point is, is that they know, ask questions, you'll get answers. That's the same thing for us. And that was a huge learning lesson for me in this, you know, failure was that, whoa, I didn't ask for help. I had so many amazing people around me and I was not humble enough to say, hey, I'm struggling desperately and I need help. Now I have no problem asking for help. I can't tell you. Girl, I just wrote the, read this email and da, 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 I need help. Can you help me? And absolutely. I mean, people will bend over backwards for you, especially if you've served them for so well for so long. Asking is so important. And so like just back to your question about knowing your identity and making a shift in your career, ask yourself because you know the answer. Ask yourself. And then look at who around you and, and ask a question. I was really... I wasn't shy. I think it was pride that would keep me back from asking people that were at a level that I wanted to be at because I was just like, I need to learn everything they're doing and get to where they are instead of like, hey, how'd you get there? People will literally give you the roadmap, right? Because 95% of time, people aren't even going to follow the roadmap and achieve it anyway. So they're not concerned about you coming after what they already have. So ask. Yeah, I think most people aren't really concerned about you coming after them. I yeah. I think at least in the space that I'm in and the people that have been attracted to my sphere of influence, if you will, yeah. uh, most of them are, are just trying to make room for more people. Exactly. Which is, all because, which is all we can do. Yeah. It's because I've learned, and I want to ask you about the power of humility in a minute, but mm-hmm. I have learned that if you get over yourself... <laughs> and you make room, you actually will start to achieve more. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but it's been absolutely true. Oh, you're speaking to me. Yeah. So tell me about the power of humility because you have mentioned humility several times and how you didn't want to show that vulnerable side of yourself, but now you're on the other side of that. Yeah. Tell me what that feels like now. I thought I was humble because I would talk to anybody. I would listen to them, but it was a false humility because I wouldn't actually apply anything that I was being told or would hear because you, I had this mindset, which is even funny to say now, but that like, I know how to do it better. And that's Mm -hmm. pride. 
And I think that we do get that if you were raised like I was with like, you know, independent women as an influence and like we got this and don't let anybody tell you what to do and you can do this on your own and all that stuff. There are some negative, you know, effects of that because I got to this hard exterior where nobody can tell me and nobody should tell me and I'm going to figure it out on my own and I got this. I almost wore a shirt today that says I got this. (laughs) (laughs) And it's great, you know, to it's resilience, you know, you can push through a lot of things. But then when you get to a hard spot and you really need help, It's really hard to ask for it. And we all need help, all of us. It's about giving a hand to someone and getting a hand from someone else. It's all about that. When we look at cultures or communities that thrive, they help each other. You know, that's why you'll see some cultures with like 16 people in their two-bedroom apartment. And at first you're thinking like, oh, what are they doing? And it's like, well, they they put one person on and they get their own house, put the other person on their business. And the whole family contributes to put money towards doing this, right? Imagine if we did that in networking and business and, you know, structure of everything. So I talk about humility a lot because pride was the fall. Pride came before the fall. The pride stopped me and prevented me from asking people that I had in my corner as resources for help. I was listening to them. I was having deep conversations with them. I was having breakthrough. But there was still this part of me where it was like, I'm only going to apply what I think is best and not try to apply all of it. And when I got to the point where I'm at the complete bottom and I have nowhere else to go, that humility, that, that pride runs out. Because it's like, all right, we've done everything we can. And then you you have to humble yourself and say, hey, I didn't run my business as as good as I thought I did. And all those smiles on social media were were covering up a lot of tears at night and sleepless nights. And I really need help. I can't tell you, I had a bookkeeper come in and help me file the taxes and do all the books of that previous business and did not send me an invoice. I had attorneys giving me 50% off their rates to help me negotiate terms and to help me um, start my new LLC because I humbled myself and said, hey, I don't have the money to pay for this. I don't have the resources to do this. And they came in and said, listen, we believe in you. We know what you got. We're going to help you. And I wouldn't have been able to launch this new business had I not had those people in my life. And people that really cared enough to get on the phone with me. I have a pastor who calls me on a weekly basis and will talk to me for hour, hour and 20 minutes and just let me vent. I talk 90% of the time. But the 10% <laughs> is that I do get from him is really useful. And now I apply it. I don't just listen to it to feel good in the moment. And then the next day I'm back to my old shenanigans and I'm crying and I'm depressed. Now I'm like, okay, cool. I got to put this to work. We got to do the work. Pride prevents us from doing the work. And the opposite of pride is humility. And if you take a humble approach to any situation in life, you will end up victorious in the end, 100%. It might not feel victorious. Somebody tells you off and you really want to cuss them out. You really want to flip them off. You really want to like turn into their lane. You re- Whatever the anger is that is behind that, right? If you take the moment to apologize to someone that you really feel like should apologize to you first, all of a sudden they're going to be like, oh man, you don't have to say sorry. I need to apologize to you. And you end up being victorious at the end. It really sucks to apologize first, but it really was beneficial at the end. So I have just learned through this whole experience that if I walk in humility, I will be exalted at the end. I will be victorious at the end. I don't have to do that myself. My brain, it just went because... (laughs) That's how I felt when this all downloaded too. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, wow. Wow. Because you're just, 
you're just serving others is what I'm hearing yeah. in your, even in your business, you are serving other people mm-hmm. and being very humble and vulnerable. Yeah. And I think that that's a key, at least that's been a key for me is yeah. to be vulnerable and transparent and show up exactly who I am in all spaces, not just here at home or with my friends, but at work too. I tell everybody, look, what you see is what you get. And there'll be times that I make up words. You guys are just going to have to deal with it. I do all the time. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, it's been, it's been a really remarkable experience to be in a space where I don't have to put out energy trying to be all these things that I'm not. Have, have you have you experienced the same thing of not trying to go, oh, I need to adjust to be this person for this thing yep. and they want me to be this, so I'm going to adjust to be that. Took a, For me personally, it took a tremendous amount of energy that I just simply didn't have to waste. Yep. I used to call myself a chameleon. I used to say, if you put me in a mariachi band and I'll get the hat on and I'll dance. You put me in a, in a rodeo and I got the cowboy boots on. I was a chameleon, right? It came from the background of sales, which is what part of where I started. I needed to dance to the same rhythm that my client was dancing in to close the deal. Sales is so dangerous, by the way. Oh, my goodness. But anyway, so I got into that chameleon place. Well, if you're always adjusting to who everyone else is, of course, you're going to lose yourself. You're not going to feel happy and fulfilling in that, Right trying to take on everyone else's identity instead of owning and believing in who you are. So yeah, I've, I've been lost in that. And I used to be highly extroverted. I mean, extreme, like if I was taking the Myers-Briggs, I think that's what it's called. My, my percentage would have been like in the 90%. I needed to have other people around and feed off of their energy and all of those things. The pandemic, I think shifted a lot of things for us in that like you're at home and you're working by yourself. And then I had to work through this business falling and failing and then really sitting back with myself. Now I'm probably like 60% introvert. I actually love being alone. I can get energy from reading and listening to podcasts and that's where I can get my like excitement. And um, I don't have to have a bunch of people around or go out partying or go out to dinners with a bunch of friends to feel fulfilled. I could literally be by myself. And so I think that that was, that's also part of like the pride and the humility and those things changing because people that do have a lot of pride tend to want to be kind of like the life of the party and everybody look at me and like, I'm the best. And it's a false identity. It's something that only makes us feel good in that short period of time. And then you go home and you're like, well, I'm alone and I really don't have any friends, you know, because <laughs> nobody <laughs> really likes the prideful friend. Like I didn't have tons of friends. My friends that I have now that have been rock solid with me forever are very much like me. Like they tell me how it is. I tell them how it is. And um, I'm growing now better relationships with people in general just because I'll sit back and listen before I will tell them. I used to tell everybody, no, yeah, this is it. Like I don't need to hear you anymore. This is what you need to do. Okay. Do, 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 right. Here's your, here's your, your recipe of success or getting through the situation, right? And now I'm like, let me listen because half the time they just want to be heard. And it takes a humble person to sit back and just listen. There's, And I don't know if you've experienced this weird side effect of when you become humble and vulnerable, all of a sudden you have way more patience than you thought you had. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'm like, where did that come from? Yeah. Because I was, I've never been a patient person at, ever because oh, I always go, go, too. go, hurry, hurry, hurry. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, now suddenly I'm, I've, I wouldn't say I'm very patient. Come on. Come yeah. on. Let's get real. 
Yeah. Just having some patience. Moderate in our patience. <laughs> yeah. Is an improvement. Yeah. But it's been this weird side effect. How, how about you? Cause I can't imagine that you were built any different of having patience. Yeah. Uh, oh, you and you I are so I, like, it's, it's just so crazy. Yeah. I mean, patience is not a thing. Um, my pastor who, who uh, I often talk about because he's like a father to me and uh, such a good friend, but he'll say, man, you're so green light, right? Like I was just green, like go, go, go hundred miles an hour. And I had to learn to embrace the pause. I had to learn the embrace, the nose and the the red light, the stopping, right? I had zero patience because I was always ready to go whenever, however, let's just get this done. And so if somebody else was like, hold on, let me think about this. Let me analyze it. I'm like, wait, what? Let's do this, right? Now, it's incredible. But I'll tell you what the shift is. The shift is this for me. It's all come back to identity. I would take it personal if somebody didn't want to run the same speed as me. It was a oh. personal attack. I identify with that so much. You have no idea. <laughs> it was personal. When I discovered that my identity was not other people or what they say or what I want them to think about me, I was like, wait a minute. You don't want to run the same speed as me? Okay, cool. What speed do you want to run at? Let me understand this. Let me think about this. Hey, maybe we're at different speeds and I'm going to keep going at my 100 miles and you'll go at your 60, whatever it may be. But it's not personal anymore. That's just you. The moment, it, this is a weird thing, but I kind of look at everybody now as like a, a child. Now, this is going to sound bad, but I'm going to explain it. If I look at everybody like children growing in whatever they are growing in and their season and growing in, it's really hard to look at a kid and just be mad at them for not knowing things. Like you're you're nine. Of course you don't know how to write a check, right? So when I look at everybody now, I just look at them as like, man, you've got pain and trauma like I do. You've got story. You've got situations. You have all these things about you. I'm going to look at who you are, not for where I think you should be, but exactly for where you are and just listen and understand. And it brought so much patience when I took myself out of the equation. I was always putting myself in the mix. That's what extroverts do, type A, pride, all of that. It just puts us in the mix of everybody's situation. Hey, I'm not going to be offended by your beliefs, by your ideologies, by your thought process, by your trauma, but I'm not, I'm not involved in that. That's your story. And I keep trying to put myself in your story. And then I get mad when you don't want me in it. <laughs> it wasn't mine to be in. So, you know... If I had to, if I had to start an agency all over again, which is which is the the path that I've chosen not to go down, um, and yet if I, if that was the ch the path that I've chosen, it would be such a strong agency because part of the reason is that my and my employees will tell you, I mean, I was reckless, you know, <laughs> like I had such high expectations for them and, and no regard for their life, or personal space, or boundaries because I had no regard for my own. And now that I'm learning to like love myself and my own boundaries and, and really growing in these places, it's easy for me to look at someone else and respect where they are. And I'm telling you, pride was like a blindfold I had on for so many years. And I'm so happy that blindfolds off. You know, that is, I, I could not have articulated that better than you just did, because that's just, that just boils down to exactly what it should be. Yeah. Being this humble, vulnerable human being that's put on this earth just to serve others. Imagine and, if we all lived life like that. Oh, this would be a whole lot easier. I mean, wow. And I think that that's part of my journey, even with serving people, right? If I'm serving 10 clients a month and I get to influence what they're doing and posting on social media to, to, to come from these types of perspectives, it will grow 
uh, in my opinion, communities of people who are like, I want to just love people. I want to just serve people. I want to see people for where they are and take me out of all of the equations I'm putting myself in that I don't belong in. I'm reading a book right now called Loving What Is by Byron Katie. I have that. I have that written down. That's going to be on my uh, to read list for sure. Such a good book. And part of it, she says, like, I stay out of their business and I stay out of God's business. Like, I just stay in my business. And because you can ask questions about why are they doing this and what are they doing this and like, how did God let this happen? And we ask all these crazy questions. Like, what about just asking yourself the questions that you can answer? (laughs) Sticky with that. Sticky with that plan. If you become the best version of you, and you're raising children, the best version of you, and you have employees of the best version of you, you're just going to raise a bunch of really cool opportunities for better people. (laughs) And I mean, and like I said, isn't that what this is all about? I mean, if we all just get over ourselves and just help each other be the best versions of each other, that's just, that's just the thing. That's, that's, that's where the magic is. Exactly. Sarah, this hour has flown by. Yeah. And I just looked at the time and go, we could talk for hours and I hours. I you. It's great. And I I reserve the right to call you back and say, please come back on the show. <laughs> Do and, and before I let you go, I want to give you an opportunity to tell the audience what your new company is, where they can where they can find you, and uh, just give a little bit of information about Absolutely. your your new baby. Thank you. My new baby is Identity Amplified, identityamplified.com. I do have a website finally launching very soon. I do have group training every other Tuesday and now on Fridays where people can come in and learn about all the newest, latest trends of social media and different perspectives and creative intake on that. Um, I do one-to-one coaching um, and strategy. And then I do have some social media management um, for the, the brand management clients that I have that you mentioned in the very beginning. And then on social media, you can find me pretty much everywhere at Sarah Olea. Instagram is at S-D-O-T-O-L-E-A, which is S.Olea. It was the name that I coined very long time ago and never got rid of. Uh, one day I will convince the 12-year-old that has my Instagram name to let me buy it. <laughs> but until then, you can find me those places um, pretty much every social media platform and please send me a message. I'm here to serve. Please everyone go and check out her social media platforms. She's an amazing lady. And as you, as you can hear in her voice, she is genuine and she is warm and she is lovely. And please reach out to her. I promise you, you will get just as much warmth from her in person as you do here. So thank you again, Sarah, for joining me this hour. I truly appreciate it. And I thank all of you again for listening to me this week. And we'll catch you again next time. This is just the beginning. That's our show. I am so grateful for each and every one of you and your unwavering support and your continued belief in this movement that has become much bigger than me much bigger than just a podcast. It has become this forward momentum that we are all doing together. If you are ready, or you know somebody that is, that is ready to tell your story and share your value with the world, please connect with me. You can reach me at audra at womeninthearena.net. I am so honored and thankful that you will share your story with me and I'll make sure that it is well taken care of. I will never stop thanking each and every one of you, and I cannot wait to talk to you again next week 
as we share another woman's story and we celebrate her doing extraordinary things in plain sight. We'll see you next time.